This word that I have for you guys today has got me pretty excited. We're starting a new series titled The Breath of Life. It'll be a three-week series. And we're going to talk about how important it is to speak the breath of life and to receive the breath of life in your life. Without God's breath, God's word, and God's voice, we'd all be dead. And we desperately need God's word and God's voice in our lives. We have to hear him. We have to be led by him. We have to know what he's saying in every season of our lives. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the positioning of this church and the positioning of each of you for what God wants to do in the coming season. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for healing everybody that is battling sickness, whether it's the flu, COVID, or whatever it is. I speak life to everybody that's watching. God, I speak right through that camera, and I pray that you would infiltrate their heart and their home. I pray that those that are discouraged and frustrated would find hope and comfort, that they would be uh, strengthened in their thought life, in their mind, in their body. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for touching this church. Thank you, God, for using us the way that you do. Thank you for the live stream. And thank you, God, for a family of trench fighters. And I pray, God, that all of us would stand together as one. That's my prayer. And I thank you for the unity that you're bringing. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to start this series from Ezekiel chapter 37. I love this chapter. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, I've referred to this chapter, but I actually haven't taught on it in depth ever here. I've taught it in the past in other places, but never in depth here. Now, many of you have heard heard of this chapter and know this story about Ezekiel prophesying to the dry bones, but I want to make it really personal for all of us. And I want it to be something that really helps you to see and understand why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing, and how we can help those that are hurting and in in so much need, all right? But first, I want to talk a little bit about my story and the power of prophecy. I've received a lot of prophetic words over my life over the years, lots of them. Now, some of you have no idea what prophecy is, so I'm going to keep it simple for you. Think being the mouthpiece of God, speaking his word, speaking his truth, walking in his authority, walking in his confidence, and having insight to what you're speaking into from heaven. So we should preach prophetically. We should love prophetically. We should, our marriages should be prophetic. The way we raise our children should be prophetic. Now, some people have a skewed, uh, a skewed understanding of what prophecy is. And that could be because you've come from a dysfunctional church, a place where it was all about charismaniac, where the prophetic words were not accurate, loving, caring, giving. Maybe it was very legalistic. Maybe they said things to you that were not from the heartbeat of the Father. Um, Or it was abused. Remember, wherever there's abuse and misuse, there's disuse. So some people have come from very charismaniac churches where everything was about the manifestation of the Spirit. And I want to remind all of you and those watching online that we don't build this church on signs, wonders, and miracles and manifestations. We build it on family, relationships, community, unity. But we need the acts of God because they point to the ways of God. Right? So we want genuine family, healthy marriages. We want to be unified. We want to make a difference in our community and in people's lives. But you have to have the supernatural coursing through your life. Otherwise, we're dead bones. And I don't want anybody to be spiritually dead and spiritually dry. I want you to be alive. I want you to be fired up, all right? And so prophecy is so vitally important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about how, in verse 3, it says that prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. 
Now, it doesn't mean that we don't bring some correction, but if it's not done with love and it's not done with the Father's heart, you can actually hurt people and you're not using prophecy accurately. Now, I don't normally talk about this on a Sunday morning. I mostly talk about it on our Wednesday Supernormal Natural Nights. But I'm talking about it now in the context of this series because this church is prophetic by design. We're apostolic prophetic by design. Now, it takes five to stay alive, so you need all five of the ministry offices. And honestly, I, I move very strongly as an evangelist. I love to preach the gospel. I love to see people get born again. I'm a heralder, right? Like I want, I want to have a jumbotron screen over my life proclaiming the goodness of God everywhere I go. And if you ask my wife who's not here today, she'll tell you I never meet a stranger anywhere I go. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm striking up a conversation with somebody. And ultimately what I hope and desire is that they would see Christ and that they would ask me questions or I'd have prophetic insight into their life to help them. Now, a long time ago, I had to ask God to help me to see the way he sees. One of the problems was that I was so desirous of prophecy and to see into the hearts and lives of people that I was seeing your issues. I was seeing your problems. And that was a problem for me. And especially those of you that are real eagles, you got eagle eyesight. You, got, you can see sideways and straight and you can see uh, small things from far away. You got a microscopic vision and a lot of times you can see into people's lives. You're very discerning of spirits. You can see things in people like my wife is a total eagle. She sees stuff that I don't see and she's extremely discerning. More often than not, pretty quickly, she can assess whether somebody has a right heart or a wrong motive. And she'll tell me right off the bat, something's with that person. I'm like, no way, you're being too judgmental. But more often than not, she's right. But what happens is when you have that kind of discernment and that kind of vision, if you don't have God breathing upon it and you're not seeing the way God sees, you'll want to rip people's head off, you'll discount them, you'll reject them, or you'll divide yourself from them. Or you'll hurt them instead of covering them. And so when God gives you vision, you need his word and you need his eyesight. Now we're going to talk about the valley of dry bones here in just a moment. In this valley, the bones were massacred. They were just literally slaughtered everywhere on the plain. And it was a total atrocity, especially for Israel, because anybody that dies in Israel always gets buried. The pieces get put back together and they get buried. But in this valley, you couldn't even bury the people. They were so dry, so scattered, and so separated. They had literally been destroyed for a very, very long time. In this church, people are going to walk in here that are nothing but dry bones. Very, very dry bones. And that's all kinds of people. It's people with old wineskins. It's people with old religious mindsets. It's people that don't know anything about the move of the Spirit. It's people that have just burned every bridge down in their life. It's from the addicted and the outcasts and the abusers to those that have been religious their whole life and had no move and no power of the Spirit inside of their life. To those that know nothing about the things of God. This is a dry bones resurrecting church. We named the church Rock City by design. Because we're the city built on the rock, and this city's called the body of Christ. And I don't want it to just be a nice cliche that we say. I want to see the body of Christ come together instead of being scattered and become what God has called it to become. But it first starts with us. Everybody say, it first starts with me. 
That's right. So if there's any dry bones, any dead things in your life, God wants to resurrect you, not further destroy you. The Bible says that a smoldering wick, he won't put out. A bruised reed, he won't crush further. Instead, what he does is he sees you, he loves you, and he resurrects you. And then in time, he begins to reveal to you the things that got you in that place and how to stay out of it. And so prophecy is so important in everything that we do. When I say that this church is apostolic prophetic, when I talk about apostolic, keep it simple. The word apostle means to be sent and to take territory. It means to be sent or to send. So in nature, my desire is that we don't stay an introverted church, but that you get awakened to take out of these four walls to your family, your coworkers, your friends, your community, to the city, to the influencer of the city. I work real hard to reach the city council members, the county judge, the city manager. I know all those people because I put myself out there in position with them so that I can hopefully affect positive change for you, your family, your children, and the generations to come. Now, there's a, this is a young church in a lot of ways, but we have a great mix of age groups in this church. If you're over 50 or 60, you're probably the most important people to this church because it's the elders that cause the teeth to go straight, that bring wisdom, insight, guidance, experience, failures, mistakes, But if you're over 50 or 60 and you don't become a new wineskin, you're going to be mean. You're going to be always corrective. And none of these young postmodern millennials are going to want to come to you, right? And you also have to move in power. We're not going to reach postmodern millennials with just good preaching. They need lightning strikes from heaven. In this generation, your experiences are real. And if you experience God, he becomes real to you. That's why the kingdom of God is built on experiences, not logic and reason. People need genuine, real encounters from God. And so prophecy is so important because now you become the mouthpiece of heaven and what you speak and what you say and how you live and how you act, everybody's watching. Wisdom's justified by your children. You know a tree by its fruit. So what legacy are we reproducing? What sons and daughters are we? And even if you're a young adult, Even if you're a teenager, you can be investing into your peers and your friends and those coming up behind you. Every single one of us, regardless of our age, let no one despise you because of your youth, can impact the generation coming up behind you. But there's something very special about the elders. But if elders and the the older generation, especially the baby boomers and us Gen Xers, I'm a Gen X guy. If we don't become renewed and new wineskins, then when God pours out the new wine, the intoxicating wine is it ferments. If we're not new, then what happens? Not only do we waste what God gives us, the new wineskin gets ruined. And a lot of people were in, in places where you were getting new wine poured into you, but you weren't in a model that was constantly making us new wineskins, which means I have to constantly change. I don't want to get old and stubborn. I don't want to get outdated and angry. I don't want to be a mean preacher. I've had people leave me, talk about me, people I've loved. But you know what? I have to still keep loving. I have to always forgive. And I have to say every single day, God, change me. But you know how God changes you? His word and the breath of life. When you hear the word of the Lord, you resurrect and live. And that means every day we have to be hearing God's word so that we can speak his life to everyone that comes around us. 
There's no prescription for any one person. There's no prescription for any one person. Every single one of us has a unique DNA, a unique design, a unique personality. And if you don't get downloads from heaven, you're not going to know how to speak all the different languages to the people that are around you. So prophecy is so important. And understanding by design what this church is, my greatest desire is to see all y'all flamed on. Because when you become prophetic, it'll change your marriage. I have to, especially when you're married to your opposite which I'm married to my 100% complete opposite, like as extreme as extreme could get. If I don't get downloads from heaven and hear the word of the Lord, the things that come out of my mouth, they're from my flesh. Say, let's repeat this together. Say this with me. Say, it doesn't matter what you say if God's saying it. It doesn't matter what you say as long as God's saying it. But when you start talking from your flesh, when you start speaking things and seeing things from your own natural eyesight, that's why this whole thing I'm about to read to you, it's a valley of dry bones, but really it's an army. And until they get resurrected, they're not walking in their design. So if I look at you and I just see, man, you're nothing but a sack of dry bones. There's no hope for you. Or if I look at you and say, man, you may be dry bones, but I'm going to breathe life into you and see you get resurrected. Because more than a word from me, you need a word from him. And if you're not in a prophetically designed church and you're not getting prophetic preaching and you're not being taught and trained to be prophetic, you're missing the greatest gift to God's church. Amen. You know that? First yeah. Corinthians 4.1, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Without love, your prophecy is no good. Yeah. That's why love covers a multitude of sins. I may see your stuff, but God covers it. And now he's put so much love in my heart for you that instead of me calling you out, I keep pointing you to him and the call of God in your life and pray that God will speak it to you. Now, if you come to me in private and say, hey, man, my life's combusting, I'm gonna say, okay, let's talk about your life. Because sin, man, sin sells you into slavery, but God buys you out every time. So we just gotta buy you out and you gotta stay out instead of keep going back to the pig pen. Right? So let me just say this to you guys before I dive into Ezekiel 37. My life, I am here because of prophetic words. And it's also because when I received prophetic words, I warred with them. I've written them down. I got pages and pages of my prophetic words. And when I get a prophetic word, I write it down. Whether it was accurate, whether I thought it was accurate or not, I write it down. Because I use those words and some things God will say, put that on the shelf. Sometimes God will say, oh, nope, that person missed it. So you don't have to take that or accept that. That's okay. They were learning. They were growing. You have grace. We prophesy in part. We're not Old Testament legalists. We're New Testament encouragers. Prophecy is for all, 1 Corinthians 14. If, all, if everybody's prophesying and an unbeliever comes in here, they don't know Jesus and they hear the prophetic word of the Lord, they're gonna, the secrets of their heart will get exposed. It's 1 Corinthians 14, 24, 25. What happens? They'll fall on their face and start worshiping God. One of my favorite episodes in The Chosen is uh, the second one in season two with Nathaniel. Man, the I saw you one. If you haven't seen that one, I watched it again. I just bawled my eyes out. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. But the thing is, is when you know God's been watching and caring and sees, 
and then you bring love into that, you flame on. And that's what this church, people are going to walk in here as candles that are unlit and it's your job to breathe the breath of God, bring the spark of God, lightning strike from heaven and ignite them. And if you're a part of this church and you're not ignited, something's wrong. And if you're not walking in prophecy, something's amiss. You got churches that are cessationists. They know how to get people saved, but that's the furthest they go. It's behavior modification, five-point sermons. I don't preach like that by design. I want to be wind-driven and spirit-led. And I want people to flame on prophetically. I want to speak. I want to pull that prophetic arrow back and pierce every one of your hearts. Now, I don't always do that, but that's my desire, and that should be your desire. Everyone you talk to, you should be listening to the Lord at the same time you're talking to get a prophetic download. And the people that you don't like, you should be praying about. You should ask God about them. And if you're angry and ticked off and mad at the world system, something is broken inside of you. You should be excited. You know why? I don't, I'm not excited for abortion, but the darker the world gets, the brighter you're gonna shine. Remember this, Jesus said in John chapter three, I didn't come to condemn the world. Why? Because the world's already in condemnation. So what are you gonna do? Keep heaping religious condemnation on other people? They're already condemned. And the word condemnation in the Greek is the word crisis. So the world's already in crisis. It's bad, right? Would you all say the world is combusting? Anybody? Listen, people that don't know Jesus, I'm finding more people angry, mad, manifesting. They are hurting. Hurting people hurt people, but heal people heal people. So when I see the world, I'm, I don't expect the world to act like me. They don't know what you know. So whose job is it to show them what you know? Tag, you're it. You're the answer to a jacked up world. Say, I'm the answer. It doesn't matter your personality. It doesn't matter your, your giftings. This is not that. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize, and teach them what I taught you. So until you start getting taught, you can't teach them. And until you start spending time in the Bible, you're not going to have the revelation voice of the Lord to lead and guide you because when he speaks, it's got nothing to land on. I got pages and pages of understanding inside of me over years of spending time in God's word. And I have to keep renewing my mind consistently. Like I already know the next two weeks what I want to talk about. But this is the setup. I want to talk about dealing with people on their outward appearance. That God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. I want to talk about spiritual eyesight. I want to talk about when God formed people out of the dust of the ground in the garden. That's next week. I love talking about that. I want to talk about when you say, God, I want, make me new, Lord. Make me new. He says, okay, well, first thing I'm going to do is cut you down and cut out things in your life. I'm going to cut off dead branches to the fire and the, fruit, the branches that are producing fruit, snip, 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 because you need more. But the snipping and the cutting and the fire doesn't feel very good. And then we complain and we get upset and we get frustrated. But see, the breath of life will lead you through it all. Remember, a word fitly spoken at the right time is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And God's got a word for you in every season of your life. Right after I gave my life to the Lord, I was in prison. Now, some of you may not have known that. I shout it from the rooftops. I was in prison, but I wasn't in prison as a violent offender. I got busted for drugs going to a Grateful Dead concert. Now, we're going back like 
Yeah, a long time ago, 30 years. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so there I am, I'm in prison, and all I have is my Bible. So I start reading it, and I cried out to the Lord for help, and God saved me. Thank God I went to prison, because I could be dead or still in prison, or who knows what would have happened with my life. So God intervened, rescued me out of the world system, not the way I would have chose, but it changed me. So there I am, cried out to God for help. God saves me, and I get the joy of my salvation. And that joy of my salvation lasted for about two months. I was fired up for about two months. Then two months into it, I started to just get, I kind of wasn't as hungry for God's word. I wasn't reading the Bible, started to get a little bit old, felt like I was eating cardboard, and I, I kind of lost my excitement. Now, for me, that was pretty quick. And sometimes that feeling still comes back. But what I've learned, when that feeling comes back, to do the things that I've learned at first, because you drift, you, we tend to drift away. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Diligently pay attention to the things that you heard at first so that you don't drift away. Right? And so for me, I had to have the, the joy of my salvation restored. I needed fresh fire. I needed fresh hunger. And there was a group there that would come in. I'm going to call them a little bit of an old-timer group. It was the Gideons. Now, I don't know how many Gideons are spirit-filled today. All I can tell you is the Gideons that came in that day were fired up and they were spirit-filled. And I started telling them like, hey, I, I don't feel as much joy and passion. I'm struggling reading the word. But I keep reading this thing in, in uh, Matthew 6, 13 or uh, 3, 16 about being baptized in fire. Jesus says, John the Baptist says that Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit in fire. I'm like, what is that baptism of fire thing? They said, well, let's go to the chapel and pray. So they prayed over me. Hurricane of fire filled my body. I got blasted by the Holy Spirit and ignited me. For two weeks, I saw flashing blue lights all around me. Now, sometimes to this day, I see blue lights on some of you. Now, I don't tell you, but I see them. God showed me that the blue lights were a picture of his glory and what he was making me to be. And when I see them on other people, God says, the glory of the, my glory is on that person, Right? Now that's supernatural. And for some of y'all, if you don't shift your thing, you go, man, that's weird. Yeah, it might be weird, but it's wholly weird. Okay, and it ignited my life and it transformed me. Now, when I got out of prison in 1994, I got invited to go see a singing prophetess. I didn't even know what a prophet or a prophetess was. But I got invited to go see a lady by the name of Diane Palmer. She was a singing prophetess. It was at a Hispanic church in Hialeah, Florida. So I go to this church and I'm in the back. She sees me all the way in the back. She comes straight for me. The music's playing. As soon as she comes at me, the power of God hits me. I couldn't cry. I couldn't laugh. My mouth was going up and down all over the place. I didn't know what to do. And she started singing a word over me. And it was a word that I wore with to this day. It's a word I'm never gonna, I've actually played the, the cassette tape from 1994 here maybe a couple years ago. I don't remember when I did it. But this word said that basically that night was my crowning or my coronation, that I've been wondering what I was doing in the desert for so long, that I felt the hand of the Father steering me along. It's a new day. He's going to change the tide for me. He's going to cause me to 
uh, many things in my life to turn around, even where I've been down and discouraged and blue. Old is behind me. A new day's coming. All the treasures have been stored up for me. He's going to bless me overflowing. He's going to cause my heart to know it. And he's gonna, it's his pleasure to give the kingdom of God to me and that my hands are anointed, my voice is anointed, and that it's a new day and that God would be bringing fresh oil into my life and giving me fresh oil for other people's lives. Now, that's 1994. That prophetic word, coupled with all the other ones, really genuinely rocked my world, genuinely rocked my world. And these are prophetic words I, prof, I have warred with for all those years. And the more I get, the more I war with. That's why we bring prophets into this church. Many people are going to nonprofit churches. And I'm telling you, you gotta be in an atmosphere and a place that cultivates your life. If you take a really, really good seed and put it in the ground, will it always grow? No. If that seed's in the wrong environment, it's not gonna grow. And many people are misplanted, misidentified and in environments that's not allowing them to culti be cultivated and grow into what they're called to grow. And I don't want that for this church and I don't want that for your life. So prophecy is so important and I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it with you in the context of Ezekiel 37 today. Let's look at verse one. Ezekiel 37 verse one. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. We're just going to pause there. God always puts his people in places of desperate need. Always. Sometimes they're obscure, and they're often extremely difficult. But he has a purpose for it, and he has a design. My wife and I, the last place we wanted to plant a church was in Flower Bluff. We didn't pick Flower Bluff. God picked it. We were meeting in the fellowship hall of a first Christian church here in town, and we had to move. God miraculously opened up the door for us to buy this shopping center, owner finance. It used to be an HEB. Then it was a Hollywood video. And the door opened up for us to buy this owner finance. But we said, at first, no way. We don't want to be in Flower Bluff. And we also didn't want to be in a shopping center. But where else were we going to go? We, we had a picture of being out in the country where we had land and we could have fields and be outside. But that wasn't God's design for us. God knew this was where he wanted us to be. And he supernaturally opened up the door for us to be here. But it wasn't in the natural what I would have picked. Today, I get calls on a weekly basis from real estate brokers that want to buy this shopping center from us many of them offering me double the appraised value of this shopping center. And guess what I say every time? Where are we gonna go? See, God knew we needed to be in a place of need. I feel like God put us right in the middle of a valley of dry bones. Anybody else? See, when I moved here, I moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had tons of friends. I had lived there for 10 years. I had a wakeboard boat. I had been youth pastoring for many years. I had lots of money. I was doing really well for myself. I was popular. I was known. I had a good reputation. And the last place I wanted to come was Corpus Christi, Texas. Let me just confess to you, I hated Corpus Christi, Texas when I got here. Everything moved slow. I was like, where's the pride for the city? Where's the, the cleanliness I wanted to see? The parks? The parks? 
everybody I ran into complained about the city and how bad the beaches were. And you have to realize I grew up in Miami, Florida, going to the Florida Keys, snorkeling under the bridges and blue water and tarpon fishing and going out to the Gulf Stream in the Bahamas. And I got here first day, stepped in a big pile of tar on the beach. Yeah, really. Now I love my beaches and I love my city and I love my H-E-B. <laughs> that never gets old. I had to ask God to give me a picture and a vision for the place that I live. And let me say to everybody watching online, if you don't like the place that you live, you gotta ask God to give you a heart for that place. I know some of y'all would like to live in nicer, cleaner cities with more money and less crime. But maybe God planted you exactly where you're at by design. Because we're called to be the light of the world, which means the light in the midst of incredible darkness. So I knew right off the bat, God had put me here for a reason. See, I liken Tulsa to sleeping in a nice, comfy, white-down comforter. And I liken Corpus Christi to sleeping in a prickly wool blanket where I itch all night long. That's what it felt like. So I had to say, God, I know you put me here. You're going to have to give me a heart for this city. Let me just tell y'all, now there's nowhere else I'd rather live. Nowhere. I mean, in my flesh, I might, to, might like to live in the Keys or in Hawaii or on some remote island, Fiji. I don't know where I'd like to be. But the truth is, I'd miss the call of God. And you'd miss the call of God. You got to get your eyes on Jesus and understand God always puts you in a place of obscurity that's difficult by design because he's not going to let you stay the same. So we didn't want to come here, but you know, Flower Bluff, this area of Corpus Christi has this huge difference and disparity between the wealthy and the poor. And there's so, like within a one mile radius of this church, there's massive addiction and prostitution, transients defecating on our property half the time. And God says, I put you right there. Because the minute we stop becoming a trench fighting people in a trench fighting church, the minute you stop getting down and dirty to help the outcasts, is the minute that you forget who you are and you stop being true to the nature of Christ inside of you. And that takes a lot of grace and a lot of wisdom. I've allowed people to come in this church that have had massive mental health issues. I'm talking like another level of crazy. Strung out, ate up, as far gone as far gone could be. Doing hand motions, talking to themselves. And the minute the presence of God would get started in this house, they'd go even crazier. And then we'd have to tell them, hey, you're gonna have to call them down. You're freaking people out. And then they'd cuss out my ushers. So then we'd say, it's time for you to go. They'd kick the door on their way out, yell, screaming and cussing all the way out the parking lot. And that probably was the first time some of you came here or you invited your friends or somebody came for the first time that day. They're like, man, that church, those Rock City people, if you don't get vision of why we're doing what we're doing, this nation is becoming more and more and more of a valley of dry bones. But God has an answer. Let's everybody say, God has an answer. God. Say, tag, I'm it. That's right. Now, I let that person come from through for about three years because God told me he was a test. Now, many times we had to tell him to leave. And finally, we had to issue a uh, no trespassing order on the property. I hated to do that. That was against my heart, my nature, but I have to be protective. But we gave him every chance. 
We had a guy that came to this church for a long time wearing high-heeled stripper shoes. Many of you know who he is. I'm talking red 18-inch platform stripper shoes, dressed in pressed slacks and a pressed Oxford shirt. But he loved his woman stripper shoes. And it was offensive to a lot of people. And most pastors would have had him out the door day one. I let that guy come for years, loved on him, cared for him. I knew he had some mental things going on until God released me to finally say the word from the spirit. And I finally sat him down one day and I said very nicely, hey, listen, I wanna ask you to pray with me. Let's pray and ask God about your shoes. I've loved you well for years. I think it's time for you to lose the shoes, but let's pray about it together. He said, oh, no, 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 I don't need to pray about it. I don't have time to pray about it. And he never came back. But you know what? I passed the test and I loved really, 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 really well. You understand? God cares more about people than positions, monies, titles, and your money. And we tend to look at people on their outward appearance, but God sees the heart. You know how many times I prophesy over people and in the outside appearance, I see all the dry bones. I see all the issues. Some people wear all their issues wide out loud, right? But if you can't see the way God sees, you're gonna correct and direct people erroneously. You need prophecy, the spirit of prophecy in your life. It's the testimony of Jesus and it's Jesus speaking through you to bring life to that outcast. And it's all kinds of people. So first you need to see that God often puts you in a difficult place. You know how many people come to this church and they say never in a million years did I ever think I'd come to Rock City Church. I always thought y'all were crazy. And now guess what? Their lives are flamed on and they're here because we're gonna stay true to who God's called us to be because people are hungry for more. At some point you realize there's gotta be more and where's it gonna be? The next thing is you have to see that Ezekiel had the hand and the spirit of the Lord upon him. What does that mean? Now, what I believe that means is that Ezekiel was positioned and prepared in advance for God to take him there. Write this down. There's no time for preparation when promotion comes. There's no time for preparation when promotion comes. Some of y'all may have a massive breakthrough waiting right around the corner. And the minute you start complaining and grumbling and spinning out, you delay the promise. And you know when God really forms you? In the valley. We all think, man, the mountaintop. Yeah, the mountaintop didn't ch change you. Hardship, struggles, manifest manifesting, because when I manifest and when things are tough, I tend to get a little leaner and meaner. How about you? And I've learned that I can go walk the beach or I can go sit in my truck by the water or find a space and I cry out to God. And many times I'm just, you know what? God can handle it. 32 of the Psalms are open complaints to God. You think God can't handle your complaint? You know how many times Moses is like, these people are jacked up. I didn't pick them. God, you begot them, and then you put them with me. You deal with them, God. I can't take it anymore. Just take me home now, right? <laughs> Moses was, there was times God's like, he was like, man, I'm done. Elijah, Gideon, 
How many people were at times of despair and wanting to give up? And God said, yeah, but I picked you. Gideon's like, oh, I'm the least of the least. Who am I? If God, if really this is true, where's he been? And then he's like, well, I'm gonna put out a fleece to prove it. And God didn't go, man, you don't trust me. You're questioning me. No, what did God do? He, used, he moved right on past that. He didn't pick up the brick and throw it back at you. He wants authenticity. He wants you to be genuine and real and open and honest. Not these hyped up, overly reverent, bless God prayers. He wants you to be genuine and true to yourself, folks. He's a best friend. Do you have any best friends that you can just vomit all over? I do. And I forewarn them. Listen, I need to throw up all over you right now. Come on, it's okay. And I just let out all my junk. That's what a best friend is for. They know everything about you and they love you just the same. He was positioned and prepared first to commune and then to experience, then to see and then to speak and then to create. Look at the pattern. Commune. Let's talk about communing with God. Communing with God is a, is a dialogue, not a monologue. I ask people all the time, you pray? Yeah, I pray. Tell me about your prayer life. Well, I ask God for this. I tell God this. I thank God for this. I'm telling God this. I'm like, is that it? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. A few minutes before bedtime, a few minutes when I wake up. That's not communing. Communing is a dialogue, not a monologue. In fact, I've learned to do more listening than talking, right? So that means you position yourself so that you can hear and you ask a lot of questions. Ask a lot of questions. Why? Because Jesus is the manna that came down from heaven. What does manna mean? What is it? He's the, what is it? So what do you need to know? He wants to show you and he'll show you just what you need to know right at the right time. So, man, God, I got to know what's going to happen this next year. He's like, no, you don't, because if I show you, you'll put the cart before the horse. Some of y'all got no patience and no restraint. <laughs> All right, let's move on from that. You commune, you experience. Let me explain something to you about experiencing. The kingdom of God is about experiences. It's not built on logic and reason. The intellect's a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. Yes, like yesterday, all week long, Prophet Kevin was here. We had meetings all week. Started early. I've got kids. My wife hadn't been feeling good. I had little to no quiet. I had to fight for a few minutes here and there to read my Bible and get with the Lord because my week was so busy. Any of you ever have those times? And so uh, yesterday, I had one hour. I went to the coffee shop. I got my coffee. Uh, Thomas was working at the coffee shop. He said, what are you up to? I said, I'm going to get my coffee. I'm going to go in my truck by the water, and I'm going to just cry. He goes, you okay? I said, I don't know if I'm okay or not, but I, what I do know is I need Jesus right now, so I'm going to go ball my eyes out. Now, some of y'all, like, you never cry. You never cry. And one time I was sitting in a van with 12 teenagers a long time ago. And I was looking out the window and I saw a child in a, in a wheelchair. I got so touched by God that emotions started to well up and I said, God, I don't want to cry now. I don't want to cry now. 
I was embarrassed to cry in front of all those kids. Seven, I didn't cry for seven years. Seven years. My emotions just got locked. Now, emotions can be deceiving, and you should never be led by your emotions. But God is emotional, and God puts his emotions inside of you. And he catches all your tears in a bottle, which means every injustice, every hurt, every pain, every failure. He watched, he remembered, and he cares about. And so you've got to commune with God and feel his heartbeat so that when he speaks to you, you can speak what he says. And in turn, when you speak, you create things. Now, not always, but I'd like it to be always. I'd like to be able to speak life and healing. I've been speaking this new sanctuary for four or five years. And I'm still speaking. We're going to get it done this year. And I'm believing for it because it's time. And when God begins to show you things, you speak those things into existence because you're speaking from his heartbeat. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It's confidence in knowing who you are. Verse two, then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were how dry? They were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, oh Lord God, you know. So first thing is, is God puts you in a place and causes you to pass all around so that you can see what's going on around you. The next thing is he helps you to understand the state and condition that somebody's in. Dry was very dry. And then God asks Ezekiel a question. Now, God already knew the answer of the question, but he wants you to know. Everything starts with a question. And in this case, it was, can they live, especially in the state that they were in? What do you say to yourself when you see somebody in the most worst, driest, jacked up state? You don't have to say it. I'm asking you in your internal narrative, what do you say when you see? You have to see with prophetic vision the way God sees. So God says, can they live? What did Ezekiel say? The natural answer in the flesh would have been not a chance. No way. But God has an ability of turning beauty, trading beauty for ashes. Ashes is the most burnt down carbon fiber. There's no way you could think that God could trade something beautiful for ashes or make something beautiful out of ashes. But in this case, Ezekiel, who had an intimate relationship and had lordship with God, said, God, you know, that's one of the best answers. Instead of being quick to judge and say, there's no way. So he says, you know, this answer was key. God wants us to know that he can do the impossible. So you got to get out of your judgmental minds and start to see things the way that God sees things in everything. Verse four, again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Everything starts with the word of the Lord, everything. Rooted in God's voice is fire. The word for voice and sound is the word phone. The root word of phone is foes. It means light and fire. 
When God speaks, he speaks light and fire. You know why this church is so full of so many young adults that are flamed on? Because they came on a supernormal natural night and they got lit up with a lightning strike from heaven. Or they had a dream, came in and I interpreted the dream. The acts of God lead to the ways of God. You got to have the acts of God. Psalm 103 verse 7 coursing through your life. So God says, prophesy to these bones and say, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you will what? When the breath comes. Now breath in the New Testament is the word pneuma. It means wind, spirit, and breath. In the Old Testament, the word, it's the same word, different word, it's ruach. The word ruach is breath, wind, and spirit. Now we're going to build upon this the next two weeks about breath, wind, and spirit. When the spirit of God comes into your life, you flame on. You become alive. But you can be somewhat resurrected and have no life inside of you. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you're going to live. It wasn't just resurrecting them, they would live. I'll put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you will live. It's fourfold. It starts first, bone to bone, sinew to sinew. The sinews are a tough fibrous fiber in your body that connects bones and connects flesh or connects bones to muscle. But spiritually speaking, a sinew is the government of unity and connection. So you have this thing that happens to you and then you have a thing that happens around you. If we just come to life, but I don't get connected to the body of Christ, there's a problem. So when God resur wants to resurrect you, he first connects you. Then what's he do? He forms you. We're gonna go to the garden next week. He forms you, then he covers you. It's both personally and in the corporate body. Many people are uncovered in the body of Christ. They're Christians, but they got no home. They got no model. They have no place to be really normal and see what normal looks like. So when they walk in here, what's the first thing they're gonna see? You. And our job is to connect. Our job is to cover, form, cover, and to breathe life into them. And then they would know that God is God. Why? Personal encounters cause people to know that God is God. When, when God speaks directly to your heart, either from heaven or through somebody else, you go, man, God is real. Go watch that second episode of The Chosen from this series. It'll, it'll rock you. Hear the word and live. The breath of God brings life. It's the breath of life. That causes people to live. God would then declare his word and cause the people to come alive so that they would know him. Verse seven. So I was obedient. So I was obedient. Do you know how many supernormal natural nights I come in on a Wednesday night? I know some of you haven't been able to come and we don't do them every Wednesday night. Sometimes I have these runs, but the premise is the supernatural should be normal. Every supernormal natural night I come in having no idea what I'm going to say. No idea. 
but I just have to listen and be obedient. And I have confidence that God will show up. I don't know exactly what he'll do, but he always does something. Now, look at this. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bows came together bone to bone. Did the rattling and the sound happen before the prophecy or after the prophecy? So many of us are like, man, God, I want to see you do this. He's like, I'm waiting on you. Open your mouth, little Johnny. It's a little nursery rhyme. Eating sugar? No, Papa. So all you, you guys don't even know what I'm talking about. Telling lies? Okay. So Ezekiel was obedient. You know, I love talking about my wife, especially when she's not here. She might be watching me right now. My kids too from home. But my wife, more often than not, doesn't actually feel anything for anyone until she's obedient and steps into the position. She'll see people in an altar call and she'll go, what's the matter with those people? How did they get themselves into that spot? But the minute that she steps up to pray for them, she starts crying. She starts feeling God's presence. She never, she doesn't have a burning desire to preach, but the minute she gets up here, what happens? God shows up. And this is one thing I really want you all to understand. If you don't practice prophecy, if you don't have a safe place to learn, if you don't start being obedient, how are you going to hear the noise and the rattling and the life coming back together? And you know what's been happening more and more on our Supernormal Natural Wednesdays is I've been actually just setting the stage and then leaving the mic up here. And, letting, and one after one, people start coming up and prophesying. Encouragement, hope, comfort, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Edification, building, life. And a noise comes and rattling happens and it's bone to bone, bone to bone. And was what, what was once a massacred, completely discombobulated army now gets resurrected to become an army. What looked like nothing now becomes something. Ministry without prophecy will only leave the dry bones in the same state. Our redeemed group has to have the wind of the spirit inside of it. Everything that you do has to have the breath and the wind of God inside of it. Or there won't be any life-giving force. The word of the Lord always creates life. Now, I want you to notice that the body got resurrected, verse 8, but there was no breath. This is a whitewashed tombstone. This is so many Christians that have no, they're resurrected. They may be going to heaven, but they're not bringing heaven to earth. There's no breath inside of them. Remember, the breath is also the wind and the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord creates life because he fills houses with his prophetic words and his breath and his spirit. You guys know the story when Jesus talked about casting the strong man out of the house? What does that spirit do? It goes and gets seven more and it comes back and it finds the house swept clean. And it goes and it makes the house worse. Why? Was the house swept clean? But it wasn't furnished. God doesn't want to just sweep your house clean. He wants you to be furnished with every good work, the Holy Spirit. That's why being baptized in the Holy Spirit is critical. You should desire it. You should want it. And you should be filled. Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine, 
or bourbon or beer or whatever it is, but be filled with the Spirit. Why? To be filled means I'm fully furnished at all times. I'm not reactive, I'm proactive. And this world's crazy and people are spinning out. I need to, you need to be prepared always at all times. They had no breath, no spirit, but they were still an army. Verse nine, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord of God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Four winds represents the omnipresence of God in all directions. And I'm gonna talk to you about the wind next week. It also means that you have the Holy Spirit in you and I'm speaking spirit to spirit not spirit to flesh, because I want to resurrect you by the spirit. So now I start speaking spiritually to the spirit inside of you. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet an increasingly great army. They were slain. They were wiped out. They'd probably been there for over 10 years. It's a picture of Israel in Babylonian captivity for 10 years. But it was the breath of God that would resurrect them. And it would come any way God wanted it to come. And it would look like whatever God wanted it to look like. When the breath came, they stood up and they lived. And then they became something. See, when I look at people, no matter how bad they are, I see a warrior, not dry bones. They may be in a dry bone state, but I believe God can resurrect anybody supernaturally. Anybody. And you got to try. You can't write anybody off anyone. So it was the breath of God that would cause them to live and to become. Now notice this, verse 11. He said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are very dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. And it goes on to say that God would pull them out of the graves and give them a home. My question to you is how many of you have said my hope is lost how many of you said, my bones are so dry? How many of you have said, I'm cut off from the things of God? I've said it at times. But God resurrected me. My question for all of you and everybody watching online is twofold. Number one, are you in that state? Number two, can you see people in that state and resurrect them? There are people that, that are resurrectees, and there are people that are resurrectors. There's two groups of people here and two groups of watching, people watching. Some of you might be here today feeling completely hopeless. Sickness, hurts, pains, jobs, the economy, the world, social media, distracted, and you just feel dry. God doesn't want you to live dry. Now I'll blow some wind on you. You'll get some life here. But I've said this so many times. I'll give you enough wind to get some wind in your sails and get you out of the harbor. But if you want to get to your destination, you're going to need full-time wind all the time. And so I want to pray for you. If you feel empty, hopeless, cut off, no fire, maybe you're camping on that plateau and you need more. I'm just going to pray for you today. With all that's going around, we're not going to do an altar call. We're going to do one big altar call here. What I want you to do is be real and honest with yourself. This church is, does tons of altar calls. Wednesday nights are, are really important. Times I bring special guest speakers in. 
are really important. But most important is that you hear the word of the Lord. Get into the Bible every day. Come on, guys. Stop scrolling before bed. I know it's hard. Your dopamine wants to be fed. But God wants to feed your spirit, not your flesh. Okay? If you have felt cut off, hopeless, and your bones feel dry, I want you to stand up. Or you've been angry at people that are in that state. Stand up. Lots of people sit up for service. Just be honest with yourself. Now I'm going to pray for you, all y'all. Pray some fresh life into you. You just receive it. Stand up. You've been feeling that way. Close your eyes for a moment. Those of you that are watching online, I just want you to close your eyes. We're going to prophesy to the four winds. That means wherever you're at, you can be touched by God all over the world. God is omnipresent. There's nowhere that he's not. There's nowhere that he's not, okay? So you can even think about your friends or lost loved ones. A lot of people watching that aren't feeling good. We need the breath of life. Just say this... I'm going to have you repeat some things with me. Say, I need the breath of life. Especially those of you standing. I need the breath of life. God, I need to hear your word. I want to hear the word of the Lord. And I want to live, God. Resurrect my life. Fill me with your spirit again, God. Fill me with your spirit. Breathe your breath. You know, you can even prophesy to the breath. Say, I speak to the breath of God. Fill my life. Fill my lungs. Fill my mind. Holy Spirit, save me. Holy Spirit, rescue me. I need you right now. Now, some of you are just going to feel the presence of God right where you're at. Just give him room to move. And listen. Listen. And if God starts showing you things you need to repent of, just give it to him. Say, God, I'm sorry for the things I've said and done. Lord, you know. And you know I can live. Some of you see yourself as hopeless as that dry bones. You're seeing yourself that way. Repent of that. And say, I'm a child of God. Wash me in your blood, Lord. Resurrect my life, God. I don't want to stay the same anymore, Lord. Come on, guys. Jesus is your answer. You don't have to stay the same. He puts you in your own home. He gives you a place of rest. There's rest in this house. There'll be rest in your home. No matter your state, no matter your situation, you can trust God. You can trust God. Tell him, Lord, I can trust you. I'm trusting you, God. Help me, Jesus. 
Help me, Lord. Meet me where I'm at, God. Take me as I am. Come on, guys. Cry out to the Lord. Take me as I am, God. I don't want to stay the same anymore. I desperately need you, God. Breathe the breath of life into my life, God. Transform me to be in your army, to fight with love, to fight for truth, and to fight for those that are hopeless and lost, God. Thank you for using this church. Thank you, God, that this is a place of refuge. The Lord's reminding me how he makes us into trees where all the birds of the air can find rest. Stretch your arms out wide to the Lord. Lord, may people find rest in my life, God. Come on, say that. You are mighty trees today. Stand up tall and breathe. Take a deep breath. You're not hopeless. You're not destitute. God is here to rescue you. Lord, you're making the outcasts into a strong nation. Thank you that you did it with us and you'll do it with them. Help me to see, help us to see the way you see God. And I thank you, God, for fresh fire. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for touching everyone that's here, those, especially those standing, those watching online. God, I thank you so much that we'll never be the same. And the drier the world gets, the more on fire we become. That's my prayer, God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just tell him, thank you, God. Now, Lord, I pray for such a hunger and thirst for righteousness in your word. I pray, God, that when we all leave here, that we'd make you our number one. Be our number one, Jesus. What we see, what we watch, so that we could be in the spirit and the hand of the Lord could take us where you want to take us. Take us where you want to take us, God. Bless everybody that's come. Speak comfort and strength to you. Thank you, Jesus, for uh, causing everybody that's sick to recover rapidly. I pray rapid recovery. And I thank you, Jesus, for help from on high and help on earth from your people. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.